You're listening to a Centro Church podcast. You know, a little boy was once asked, what's the difference between Father's Day and Mother's Day? And he said, oh, that's easy. He said, they're pretty much the same, only the presents are a lot cheaper. And, uh, <laughs> and you don't have to go, go to anywhere near the trouble in wrapping them. Uh, Paul, um, Paul writes to... Uh, a bunch of Christians, and he, he makes this provocative statement, really, in today's culture, where he said that men, he said the husband is the head of the house, and wives submit to your husbands. Did you know to actually pull that scripture off takes great sacrifice on both the male and the female? Because the truth of the matter is, most men would happily leave heading their house to the wife and go fishing. How many know what I'm talking about? You've never heard of a woman cave, have you? No, it's a man cave. Why is that? Well, the reason for that is, to be really honest with you, is that most men can quite easily emotionally cut off, much easier than women, and are more happy out the back just playing pool on their own or with a buddy than necessarily having to giving leadership to a family. Whereas a woman, on the other hand, the truth is 95% of what goes on the list to be done around our house ain't put there by me. How uh, <laughs> many know what I'm talking about? I oh, God, just right. Oh, just who cares? Who cares? All right, well, let's do it then. Okay, all right. And uh, it actually takes sacrifice on behalf of the woman to let the man lead. And it takes sacrifice on behalf of the man to step up. Because as I said, he'd rather just go out the shed or, or do something else and leave it to her. It takes sacrifice on both parts. And if you're a man and you're in this house today, whether you're a father or, an, or not, if you are a man, I want you to stand. All the men, let's please just be upstanding right about now. I'd really appreciate that. Because I want to say to you on behalf of the church, on behalf of the body of Christ, thank you. Um, nobody really knows the sacrifice that you've had to make to be here. Nobody knows the times when it would have been easier for you to have just cut out, to emotionally checked out, to have said, you know something, I can't be bothered. I'm going to leave this to others. I'm sure you've thought it, and I'm sure there's been times when there's been a strong temptation to do it, but you're here. You are here. <laughs> You're at the table. You're part and parcel of the thing. And this morning, I know that there's something in us that wants to isolate ourselves from time to time. There's something in us that would just prefer to run away and just do something else. But you've made a commitment because of courage and conviction. You are here. I honor you this morning. I thank you this morning. And everybody else is going to honor you this morning through acclamation. Why don't we just thank our men this morning, hey? Because there's a lot of men that are not here this morning, but you've chosen to be here. Please take a seat. How many know that parenting uh, is like joining a cult? Uh, in a sense that once you join, there ain't no getting away from it. <laughs> there's no escaping. You're in, and you're in forever. No matter what you might like to try to do, say, or think. And God, God describes himself as father. I find that so interesting. 
Because God is neither male nor female. God does not exhibit gender as you or I understand gender to be. And yet he describes himself as our Father in heaven. Why is that so? Why has God created himself to be, if you will, the backstop of fathering? That if something were to happen to your earthly father, for some reason or another, you found yourself without a dad here on earth, that God himself says, I am a father to the fatherless. So there is no reason for anybody to be without a father because there is the all-abiding, all-present father that we have in heaven. You can learn about God from your father. Or maybe more to the point, you can learn about fathering from our God. And I know this morning there is a percentage of individuals in this room who are fathers. However, that percentage is completely outdone by those in this room this morning. The percentage of us here this morning who have who actually have fathers. And so this morning, what we're going to do is take a lesson on what a father brings to the table, on the blessing of the father. We're going to find that in a particular, really poignant um, interlude between a father and a son, where the father passes on the blessing. And the blessing was received by a man by the name of Jacob, who later on changed his name to Israel. And today, in terms of the geography of the globe, indeed, we have a nation termed, named Israel. So this boy who received this blessing became so profoundly affected, became such a significant individual, that here we are some three and a half thousand years later, still recognizing this son through news reports, uh, through uh, understanding of geography because his son is still exhibited on the globe through the nation of Israel. This interaction happens in the book of Genesis chapter 27 where Jacob deceives his father. Jacob has uh, uh, an older brother called Esau who was supposed to receive the blessing but Esau was out in the field. Jacob pretended he was Esau and went in and got the blessing. What I want us to do this morning is to define what this blessing is. So we understand, firstly, the blessing that is received from having a father. Secondly, this morning, if you're not a father, or I should say, um, you don't have a father, the blessing that can be received by our heavenly father, who is the backstop for us all. We're going to take the reading from chapter 27, the book of Genesis, verse 27, where it says this, So he went to him, and he kissed him. It says in verse 22 that he went close to him. And of course, you've got to get close. Jacob went close to his father Isaac, who touched him. The father touched him. They had meaningful touch. When Isaac caught the smell of his clothes, he blessed him and said, Ah, the smell of my son. Is like the smell of a field that the Lord has blessed. We're going to stop there and we're going to just talk about this really incredible verse for a moment. Before I uh, point to you some significant 
uh, interactions from the verse, just want to throw out to you an idea that I want you to contemplate for a moment. And that is the, the inverse application of power. Let me explain. That everything of power has the inverse ability for good as that which it has for evil. For example, a goldfish. A goldfish doesn't have a lot of power for evil. A goldfish doesn't have a lot of power for good. A goldfish is just a goldfish. A dog. A dog, a dog has a greater power for good. A dog can protect the vulnerable, be the eyes of the blind, be company for the isolated. A dog has power for good, but a dog has an inverse power for evil. We've all read stories of dogs who have mauled and have maimed children. Oh yeah, we understand that a dog can do incredible good, but a dog can also do incredible evil. A person, a person has a greater capacity for evil, greater capacity for good than a dog. A genius, a genius may be able to come up with an antidote for one of the ills, one of the diseases of the human race. By the same token, a genius might be able to blow up the world. I say that because I want to highlight the power here today of human touch. It says here that Jacob touched Isaac. Isaac, Jacob, they kissed each other. And I want to suggest to you that human touch has incredible power. Incredible power for good as well as incredible power for evil. Many of us in this room are aware of the incredible power for evil that it has. I, uh, uh, fortunately or otherwise, was dragged through the Royal Commission into uh, institutional child abuse, and I sat down with more than one victim. And I looked, and, and look, I, I know in saying this, there are people in this room that have been through the same kind of pain. And I've seen how much damage, self-centered, self focused touch can bring to another human being decades of pain but I'm suggesting to you that whatever has power for evil has power for good that the same way that self-centered touch can destroy life um, selfish touch can bring damage selfless touch right touch that's motivated for nothing else but the betterment and for the blessing and for the good of the other person can bring life, can bring wholeness, and can bring healing. This was sheeted back to me in the force of a revelation by one interaction I've had in recent times with an individual who, who was the victim of abuse. And I was told going into the meeting, don't shake hands with them because they don't shake hands because, you know, the trust thing. And so, but they want to talk to you and they want to, offload their pain onto you and that was what I was there to do I'm fine with that so I went there and we went through this interaction of this person's pain and their experience and by the end of this conversation that I had with this tragic case this 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 terrible uh this this victim of what was a terrible abuse I went on the way out and I just felt prompted to touch them it was a risky move because I'd been told not to because this person doesn't touch. This person's been hurt and they don't trust. But I understood something 
of the healing power of touch. So I thought to myself, I'll take a risk and see where this ends. So they were on the other side of the table and I, rather than walking out the door, I, I sort of brushed past them and just put up my hand like this to try to shake their hand. And to my, uh, uh, to my, dis- to, to my uh, amazement, my hand was grabbed and we shook. And I thought, well, that's a good step forward. So I put my hand on this man's shoulder and I looked him in the eye to communicate, it's okay. And when I did that, to my absolute flawed amazement, he threw his arms around me. I threw my arms around him. And for the next 10 minutes, he wet my shirt with his tears as he bawled, as he bawled, as he bawled. Because what we need to understand is the inverse power. What has power for evil? has power for good and human touch that we all know has such incredible power for evil because so many people have been affected by it and you probably know people if you yourself haven't been affected by that but the truth is and what I'm trying to communicate to you this morning is there are very few things as powerful as a fatherly touch as a touch by somebody who wants nothing for themselves but everything for the person who they're reaching out to. That can bring healing, that can bring transformation, that can build a, a human life. And this is, not a, this is not an isolated incident that we've just read. As a matter of fact, if you go back through Hebrew uh, history, you'll find that all blessing, particularly within a family, that there is a moment of that, in, there is a moment in that transferring of blessing where there is the laying on of hands, where there is human touch. When you read the story of Jesus, you'll find in John chapter 10, when families, when mums and dads brought their children to Jesus, that Jesus touched them, he blessed them, he put them on his knee, he put his arms around them because Jesus understood something that happens when one human being touches, physically touches another human being with no motive of self-pleasure, with no motive of what I can get out of this, with the only motive of, of how can I give, how can I build, how can and I bless and there is a profound power here my friend a profound power this boy or this man uh, uh, Jacob uh, he's 40 years of age being kissed by his dad and that interaction that touch was creating a man of substance was creating a man that would be fundamentally the foundation of a nation and uh, we even know that you know our 23 year old daughter who's in London you know whenever she gets a little homesick or she has a bit of a bad day you know we get a text I need a hug (laughs) I need a hug because there's something of that fatherly there's something of that selfless touch that communicates you're valuable It's going to be okay. You have worth and dignity. Uh, This was was validated by uh, an academic study done by a a researcher by the name of Rene uh, Spitz, S-P-I-T-Z, who uh, went to a South American orphanage and observed 97 children over the course of a number of years. This orphanage was incredibly under-resourced and the nurses, whilst 
probably well motivated just simply didn't have the time to do what it is that needs to be done and so they would change nappies they would feed mouths they would bathe but there was no caressing there was no cuddling of the child there was no what you might define as emotional support and what she found horrified her she found after just a matter of months appetites started to dissipate abnormality started to appear sleep was something that was just sporadic after five months she noted severe deterioration after 12 months nearly one third of those children died and they died because of lack of nutrition and because of lack of food the orphanage had food and because of sanitary problems the 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 place had some kind of cleanliness to it but they died because of the lack of touch they died because there was no emotional support may i suggest to you this morning ladies and gentlemen that it doesn't take an individual even a couple to raise a child but a village and that's what church is about and as children grow up in a church like this they should be patted on the back that, that, that they, they should know that the place is full of uncles and aunties who are cheering them on, who've got their best interests in heart, who want the best outcomes for their life. This is the importance of grandmas and grandpas and extended families, brothers and sisters and the like. That an individual might know that they have intrinsic value. That an individual might understand that they, that they are loved so they can love themselves, so they can love others through the power of human touch. The word that I just read out a moment ago when he said to his son, you smell like a, uh, you, you smell like a field. Um, you might think to yourself, if you were to say to your child, you stink like a paddock, they wouldn't necessarily see that as a complimentary statement. <laughs> but in this culture, that really wasn't what was being communicated. The smell of a field, the smell of a field was talking about a, a field ready for harvest. And what he was saying to his son, who he thought was Esau, that was actually Jacob, was that you reek of prosperity. You have the smell of potential about you. That you're moving into something great. That's what he was saying to them, that, that your life smells of potential. Your life smells of prosperity, a field like a field that is ripe under harvest. That's what's being communicated here. And I know there are times when we have to direct people through our words. I know there are times to confront issues and work matters out. But I reckon Jesus gave us a good weighting on this. And it's worthy of of just taking note of the weighting Jesus gave. To what percentage of words should be positive and affirming and what percentage of words need to be um, uh, confront and, uh, and direct? Jesus said, I've come to preach the acceptable year of the Lord, the day of judgment. So it's 365 to 1. <laughs> it seems to be the percentage uh, weighting that Jesus is uh, suggesting to us here, the acceptable year and the day. That the words we speak over the lives of the people around about us, for every one moment of correction, for every one moment of redirection, there's 365 of affirmation, there's 365 of saying, you know something, you're okay, you're doing well. And what does this do for the human being? 
What does this do for the heart? Uh, I'm just observing my own uh, daughters. Uh, uh, it took me years to really comprehend the abnormal waiting that are on my words as their father. If you're a father here this morning, you need to know that your words matter. If you say something, it matters. You might think it's a throwaway line, but I've got to tell you, gentlemen, uh, the words of the father, they actually carry a, uh, an inordinate amount of weight. All words carry weight, but there's something about father's words that just seem to be weightier and, uh, and more significant than perhaps the words of others. But I, I want to just suggest to you that what was going on in that verse that we just read was that this young man, Jacob, was recognizing his worth as a human being. He, he was recognizing his intrinsic sense of dignity. I can walk head up, shoulders back. I matter. Why do I matter? Because my dad says I matter. That's why I matter. <laughs> because he touches me and, and, and he loves me and, and he speaks of uh, affirmation over me. And I know that what he says is true. So I can face the life. I can face this life with courage. I can face this life with confidence. I can face this life with assurance. I'm free to love because I know I'm loved. This is the, this is the blessing of the Father. Goes on and says this. Have a look at this. This is powerful. The next verse, verse 28. It says, May God give you heaven's dew and earth's richness and abundance of grain and new wine. And anybody in this room who's been around for more than 10 minutes, you know that life has its challenges. You know that there is difficulties and tough times. We tend to look for a good experience, but God looks for a good attitude. We, we tend to look for the person with the right experience. God looks for the person with the right attitude. We want to set up our kids and give them a good head start. God wants to set them up and give them a good attitude because God is more focused on the attitude, the heart. A person's attitude is a manifestation of their heart. God is more focused on their attitude than he is even on their behavior god looks at the heart did you know even satan even satan would be your best friend even satan would be full of joy and full of happiness as long as you give him what he wants <laughs> as long as you're playing ball with him satan is happy to play ball with you it's not until you get to that moment where things don't go as you expected them to go that what's in the recesses of your heart becomes evident not only to yourself but to God. That's why God tests our heart. I heard a story, it's a true story about a young man. He gave testimony to the, the, the sermon that his father preached to him this day. He, he grew up on a farm, his father was a farmer and they'd had several years of drought and failed crops but this one year the rains had come and, and everything had gone in their favor and it looked like there was in the fields going to be a bumper harvest, a bumper crop. And this meant so much to their family because they were steeped in debt because of, of, of years of lack. And he was of the opinion that this was going to be the time. This was going to get us out of the, of the mess that we we're in and set us up for the next season. And he says, weeks before the harvest was due, out of nowhere came this freak storm with hail and winds and he said the harvest was wiped out and he stood at the edge of his of the fields with his father and he said he expected his dad to curse he expected his dad to be angry 
he expected you know certain words to flow from his father's mouth but he says to his absolute amazement his dad stood there you'd imagine full of disappointment full of despair full of fear about the future now because this was the assurance that we're going to be able to pay our bills and, and I was going to be able to support my family for this next season but he said from his father's mouth came a tune came a song he said his father sung rock of ages cleft for me let me hide myself in thee years later I said he gave testimony to it years later he said that's the greatest message on faith I had ever heard you know something it's how you respond to disappointments they are that that's what marks you as a man or as a woman that that that's the testimony of your life that's what people hear when you walk into the room that's the influence that you have that that's what sets you apart that's the song of your life it's what happens when we don't get what we want it's what happens when disappointments when tough times come this is the moment of influence I'm constantly reminded and challenged if you will by David David was a great leader in the Old Testament more David is is, uh, written of the Bible than David than any other figure David is a central figure to the Bible and, and David found himself on this one particular occasion all forlorn and depressed. He'd taken his men out to fight a battle. He'd come back and the enemy had double-crossed him and the enemy had come in behind him and had taken all of their goods and all of their families. And he'd come back with his men and, and all of their, their camp had been burnt and the families were gone. Their livestock was gone. They had nothing. And the men were so depressed they were going to stone David, their leader. Let's stone him. Things aren't going as they should. Let's kill the leader. How many know it's like a a football coach? (laughs) Things aren't going. Let's kill the leader. They they want to do uh, to stone David, but David says this. David was greatly distressed in First Samuel thirty-six. David was greatly distressed because the men were talking of stoning him, as would distress you, particularly when there was no no one to protect you says each one was bitter in spirit because of their sons and daughters their family had gone they were bitter about it but look what David does I reckon this is why David was a man after God's own heart not because of, not because that his behavior was exemplary because it wasn't always but it's his attitude look what David did rather than getting bitter rather than getting testy it said David found strength in the Lord his God David encouraged himself in God see when the world was falling down around about him David did what this boy's father did rock of ages cleft for me let me hide myself in thee well I'm not getting what I want when the world's turning against me I'm turning to God and that became the testimony of David's life reasons for faith see not only is the blessing of the father one that frees you to love because you accept yourself because you understand the intrinsic value and dignity of who you are so you are free to love even though you're not loved in return but it gives you a foundation for faith it gives you a sense that God can be trusted you can trust God we sing that song before you know God is so good God is so good yeah but can we really really trust God well we can say we do until the wheels fall off the cart then of course we find out if we really do 
the blessing of the Father, free to love, reasons to trust, faith. And the last thought I want to share with you this morning is found here in the next verse where the Father says this. Remember, this is all this, the Father's talking to the Son here. But he says, may nations serve you and people bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers and may the sons of your mother bow down to you. May those who curse you be cursed and may those who bless you be blessed. And what Isaac is doing here is he's helping to lift the vision of his son so that he might see a bright future. There's a verse in Proverbs was written by Solomon, one of the wisest people that have ever lived. And he said, train up a child in the way that they should go. And when they're old, they won't depart from it. And many of you have heard that verse before, I suggest. And kind of the way we interpret it is, okay, I teach my child how to behave. I teach my child the ways of God. And then when that child gets older, that child will walk in the right direction. I want to suggest there's something greater here. There's something more powerful here. That we literally create a way for our child to go. That there is a sense of the prophetic that comes from the Father's blessing. And that we give them a future. And when they are old, they will move into it and not depart from it. That our words literally create a better future. So when they are old, they can walk into that future. What have we got? It's interesting what we've got from those three verses. What is the blessing of the Father? Number one, it's love. I am loved, I can love. Number two, what was it? It was trust, faith. No matter what happens, I can have faith in God. And the third one here is this prophetic thing of the future, hope. I heard about a story, and I won't go into it now because I've run out of time, but about a, a young girl who was given hope, and she said, the, the expression just got me. She said, it was a golden feeling. It was a golden feeling to have hope for tomorrow. And, and I thought to myself when I heard that, I thought, a lot of people put hope in gold. What we need to realize is that hope is gold. This girl described hope as a golden feeling. And there's a lot of people, if they could get their hands on enough gold, might interpret that as hope. Whereas I want to suggest to you that if we give people hope, that we're giving them gold. That it's a golden feeling, that sense of hope, that it literally is gold itself what do we get from the father the ability to love the ability to have faith to trust and a reason for hope funny isn't it paul said these things these three remain faith hope and love as you look at those three verses and you look at the impartation from isaac to jacob that's exactly what you see is it any wonder if this is true and I suggest that it is is it any wonder that God said I will be a father to the fatherless because who can live without faith hope and love is it any wonder that I took a moment half an hour or so ago to stand up all the men in the house and applaud them be 
because you don't realize the faith, the hope, and the love that you distribute to the world that is around about you. You don't realize it. It's so intuitive most of the time, you completely miss it. My prayer for this Father's Day is you take a moment this morning and reflect on it. Reflect on how it's affected your life and the life of the world. Faith, hope, and love, the manifestation of the blessing of the Father to us and through us this morning. Thank you for listening to this podcast. 